This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Hello and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is MC Money. Joined here by Certain the Creepy Soccer Dad and Houts MD. And we are wrapping up the last week of Miami Dolphins OTAs. And they are now off until training camp in the mid-July. And that will officially kick off the 2018 NFL season. Where the Miami Dolphins hope to bounce back from their very tough season they had last year. Losing Ryan Tannehill during camp. Bringing on Jay Smoke and Cutler. And going on to basically do what everyone outside Miami thought they were going to do. And that's basically lay an egg throughout the entire season. Although they did pull off six wins. It was a messy, messy schedule in terms of when they won the games and how they lost the games. And it was up and down all season long. And there is a lot to talk about as we head into training camp. We're not going to cover everything this week because we have plenty more time to go. And we have a lot of dead time to cover over the next month or so. But we are going to talk about several things. We're going to talk about Jarvis Landry again. And yes, I know people might be getting sick of hearing about Jarvis Landry, but it is relevant in the Miami Dolphins world. It is relevant in terms of what we're looking for in Ryan Tannehill. And it is relevant in the questions that many do have about Ryan Tannehill and his leadership. We're going to recap this week's OTA session with the Miami Dolphins and everything they did. We're going to talk about some ideas for you, what to do during this next month when there's absolutely no football happening around the entire NFL. And then we're going to talk about, as we lead into training camp, who's the player we're excited to see the most? Is it someone like Minka Fitzpatrick, Jakeem Grant, Ryan Tannehill, Raekwon McMillan, Josh Sitton, Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore, Danny Amendola, Albert Wilson? We'll give you our guys that we're going to be looking forward to seeing. And we want you to give us your guys on the Finsider Radio thread when we do post this podcast and after you listen to the show. And then we'll kind of interact with each other over the year, over the next several weeks. But first, let's start with Jarvis Landry. And we had mentioned Jarvis Landry last week when he said that the quarterbacks in Cleveland were better than the quarterbacks he had in Miami. But the other day on NFL Game Day, NFL Game Day on Twitter, Landry said this. I have not heard from Tannehill, Landry said. I'm not surprised. We didn't really have a good relationship. Now, this is confusing how it's uncertain because 
Jarvis Landry posted several photos of him and Tannehill together. Them fishing on a boat together. Them standing next to each other on the sidelines. Them firing each other up. Landry throwing praise to Tannehill on Instagram in different pictures. Landry being one of the very first players on the Miami Dolphins to console Ryan Tannehill when he went down with the ACL injury against the Cardinals. So I'm not really sure where this is coming from, not to mention they did go work out in the offseason as well together. I'm not really sure where this is coming from with Landry. People are saying he's just bitter. People are saying that now that he's gone, it's coming out. Miko Grimes jumped in the action too and tweeted to Landry saying, if you want me to hang out in your mentions and tell everyone off basically about how much of a bum Ryan Tannehill is, I'll do it. And for me, her opinion means absolutely nothing. I wish I could use stronger language there, but I am part under the SB Nation umbrella and I cannot do that. But Houts and Sutton, you know, Houts, let's start with you. You were one of the biggest Jarvis Landry supporters out there. And I think it's all come crashing down for you over the last few days. What's your thought on this? Yeah, I mean, first JGI, I was a big fan of him. That came back and bit me in the ass. And now the Jarvis Landry situation. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with just sour grapes. I mean, the Dolphins, a team that he had hoped to play out the rest of his career with, they just didn't see him as that top five uh, type of receiver to get paid that kind of money. And they just weren't willing to commit that, especially after uh, – the tantrum he threw at the end of the season last year. We keep hearing Adam Gase wants to bring in his guys, change the culture here, and that's exactly what they did. So I think Jarvis Landry, uh, for as much as many of us, including myself, did not want to believe that he was that kind of diva, uh, cancer in the locker room, those type of things. As soon as he left Miami, those things start to come out. I mean, you hear players kind of hint at it. You hear uh, Jarvis Landry himself, the things that he said over the last few weeks. I know he's taking shots at Dolphins at Adam Gase and and – consistently now with Ryan Tannehill over these last few weeks. Uh, you really don't expect him to say anything else now that he's a Cleveland Brown, now that he's committed there for at least a few years. Uh, they were the team to take a chance on him. They were the team to pay him that kind of money. So I'm really not surprised that he came out and said, you know, the quarterback situation there is uh, better than what he had in Miami. I mean, if you're comparing it to Jay Cutler, it absolutely is, or Matt Moore, it absolutely is. Uh, even if he just came out and said, I like what Baker Mayfield does in comparison to Ryan Tannehill, I mean uh, – I think it'd be a little early to say that, but I'm not sure that Baker Mayfield won't ultimately be a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill when it's all said and done. But at the end of the day, uh, it's not fair to Ryan Tannehill. He's a class act. He's a guy that's not going to come out there and, you know, retaliate or say anything catchy to, to get the media's attention. But uh, just to see all this stuff come out now, it's it's just a little bit odd. And I mean, they keep the media keeps prying at him. Uh, it's kind of what you expect a guy like Jarvis, a big ego, him to come out and say, but uh, it was clear, like you said, all those pictures that started to surface, you you saw it with the time in Miami. I mean, I think Landry was the first one to go over there and, you know, kind of pat Tannehill on the back and say everything was going to be okay when he went down after that Calais Campbell hit. So uh, there's no doubt in my mind these two were great friends. Uh, if it wasn't for Ryan Tannehill, I firmly believe that Jarvis Landry would not have gotten paid what he did. So for me, it's it's a little bit of BS, but at the end of the day, it's Jarvis Landry. This is who he is. Uh, the truth started to come out, and I'm just – I'm just sad, sad because as a fan, I was a big fan of Jarvis Landry, and to see him come out and just, you know, kind of turn into a heel now. And all those years I defended him online, I've gone after several experts, ESPN writers, whatever it may be. I defended Jarvis Landry up and down, and uh, that was a lot of wasted breath. So I wish him luck in Cleveland. I'm not surprised based on what we've heard once he left. And 
I just hope Ryan Tannehill goes out there and just shuts up all the critics because if he does that, uh, all this will be for nothing. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence about all this. I I didn't realize how weird this was going to play out in the press. And, you know, Tannehill's going to be stoic. We know that. Just didn't, like both you guys said, this is peculiar just to for this to happen. You'd think Jarvis would probably be focused on his his new team and not want to connect himself with Ryan Tano in this way during the offseason because how are you showing commitment to your new team by talking about your old quarterback? You know, like you have to deflect questions like that. And that's where Jarvis's immaturity came into play, I think, a little bit. He may have been caught off guard by the question, but I honestly don't know what to make of it because now you're looking back at the Instagram photos and which interactions were fake and which interactions were authentic. You know, when was Jarvis connected with Ryan and when was he distant from Ryan? So, and it's impossible to tell from where we're sitting. So um, it's all kind of conjecture from that standpoint, but they had statistical production together. You don't get that very often if you don't have plenty of reps together and have uh, a solid understanding of how each other play the game of football. And that's the most important thing, whether or not they liked each other off the field. I'm not sure that that's that important as long as they can function on the field and be professionals and do their jobs well, uh, which they did, I think when they were a, a duo, but I think the most important thing is that Tannehill is going to be focused on the Miami Dolphins. You're not going to see him respond to any of this stuff. Just very peculiar how it's all getting drugged through the media right now. Hopefully we'll be able to move past the story here pretty soon. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to the play on the field. Maddie I on Twitter, who many of you probably follow, said said this today. had an interesting uh, tweet. Brian Hartline had his best years in Miami, left Miami left Ryan Tannehill, had an average year in Cleveland, then retired. Charles Clay has not had a better season than than with Ryan Tannehill ever. Mike Wallace, he had tremendous success in Pittsburgh, came to Miami, had decent success, but since leaving Miami and Ryan Tannehill, he has not done much. You can say the same thing about a lot of other guys as well around Ryan Tannehill. You know, the offensive guys leaving and not doing as well as they did in Miami. And we're going to see what happens to Jarvis Landry. The Miami Dolphins force-fed Landry. It is a known fact that he demanded the ball in this offense. He demanded the ball under Joe Philbin. And for whatever reason, Philbin caved in. I'm not really surprised Philbin caved in because that's just his personality. But for whatever reason, Adam Gase caved in as well, which I am surprised at. But I guess when you're trying to control a diva and an attitude, you got to do what you got to do. Same thing with JHI that he did. But what bothers me is, you know, Landry just coming out and talking all the smack. I mean, let it go, dude. You're in Cleveland. You got your contract. If you're that upset about being in Cleveland, if you're trying to take it out on the Dolphins, why'd you sign an extension? Why did you sign something there? You should have played out the tag and got on something on the market where you could choose your destination. Just, just let it go. Same thing with Miko Grimes. You've been in Tampa for several years. Let it go. Get the Dolphins out of your head. I don't understand why Landry... And her cannot get the Dolphins out of their mouths. Philip Wheeler doesn't sit here and talk about the Dolphins anymore. Guys like Carlos Dansby um, from years ago doesn't sit here and talk about the Dolphins. Just let it go. Move on. Get out. Byron Maxwell doesn't talk about the Dolphins. Even Jay Ajayi to an extent. Just talking about the Dolphins when, when he originally got traded. 
it's just immaturity. It's, I don't know. It, it's immaturity and it kind of shows where Adam Gase was thinking when he got rid of the guys that he got rid of. I don't think Jarvis Landry is going to do well in Cleveland. I'm, I'm, let me take that back. I don't think Jarvis Landry is going to do as well as he did in Miami. I don't see it happening. I don't see Hugh Jackson being the kind of guy or Todd Haley even because he's running the offense to kind of coach to cave in. Didn't cave into Roethlisberger. Didn't cave into Antonio Brown. Didn't cave into Le'Veon Bell. He's not going to cave into Jarvis Landry. And then once Tyrod Taylor starts playing the games, listen, Ryan Tannehill is better than Tyrod Taylor. I love Baker Mayfield, but he's probably going to struggle year one. If you throw Baker in there and you have an inexperienced quarterback and you have a diva receiver demanding the ball, that's not a recipe for success. I'm done with Jarvis Landry for this week, at least, until he says something stupid again. How Sutton, you done with Landry? Absolutely. Yeah, I've debated whether or not to burn his jersey. I, I have a toddler jersey that I got from my daughter when, well before this all happened. So I'm probably going to light that on fire and post it on uh, Twitter in the next few weeks. But I'm over it. So let's move on. Yeah, show us and get the retweets, all right? Always for the retweets. All right, this was the last week of Miami Dolphins camp until training camp. Nothing too exciting coming out of that camp. Minor nicks and bruises. Nothing serious with the injuries. Knock on wood while you're at it. Um, certain your thoughts on, you know, just all in general, the Dolphins training camp. We've heard a few things. Mike Jaziki supposedly not doing so well, but then after the media kind of got on him, he came out and had a very good day. Cameron Wake still doing great things. Akeem Spence in that starting lineup right now, still a long way to go, but he's in one of the starting spots at the defensive tackle position alongside Jordan Phillips. We have a cornerback battle looming. We have David Fales pulling away from Brock Osweiler. We have Frank Gore still doing Frank Gore stuff. Kenya Drake learning and improving every single day he steps on the field. What do you have going on for yourself in terms of what you've seen, what you've heard, and what you're looking forward to? Well, normally this time of year we're – used to the defense being ahead of everything. That's just the normal learning curve of OTAs and getting into the training camp. The defense just happens to be a little, you know, they're just a step ahead of the offense usually. So to hear some encouraging news about the offense early, I think was good. Anytime you see Tannehill connecting deep with Devontae Parker for a long play and a long touchdown, that's always encouraging. So hopefully we'll be able to see more of that from a consistency standpoint. But I think the most important thing was that other than a a few hobbles here and there, we were injury free getting out of here. So I think that's the most important thing of this whole thing is that we're, we're going to be going into training camp healthy now. Hopefully no one gets arrested or anything, but we're at least healthy right now. I think you may have just jinxed that Sutton. Someone's going to, getting arrested within the next week because of that comment there. But, I mean, I have to agree. I think uh, it was Adam Bees that tweeted out that uh, at first he thought it was Stills. They called a 70-yard pass from Ryan Tannehill. Then we find out it was Danny Amendola. I mean, how fast was that guy on the field to be uh, mixed up with Kenny Stills? I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. But you said it best. I mean, you expect the defense to be head and shoulders above the offense at this point. And to hear that the offense is hanging in there, I think uh, they went out there and kind of laid an egg. And then Ryan Tannehill demanded that they stayed out in the field and, and finished those reps. So, I mean, that's something that you, you kind of see Ryan Tannehill doing more this offseason. I know the coaching staff asked him to become more of a leader out there, and it seems to be paying off. Um, 
I hear huge, I keep hearing re- rave reviews about uh, Robert Quinn. I mean, we traded for him from the Rams. Everyone was a little skeptical or maybe they weren't. I mean, that contract is pretty hefty, but I mean, what he did a few years ago in LA, it's going to be awesome to have him opposite of Cameron Wake. Uh, Charles Harris looks huge. You keep seeing Ray Paul McMillan show up in these little highlight films that they show and you just keep hearing good things about him. So uh, I think, I think it's funny that Kanata said about Mike Jasicki because one week it sounded like he was a bust and people were comparing to Michael Ignew and the next week, everyone's sitting there making him sound like he's a hall of fame tight end already. So I think people just need to pump their brakes. They need to realize that we're what two, maybe three weeks in now to this off season. Uh, this next month is going to suck because we all love the dolphins and there's not going to be much stuff coming out. Um, but I'm excited to see what happens in training camp. One other name to throw out there, Kalen Balaj, the rookie out of uh, Arizona State. They keep hearing things about him. I know Loggins or Legains. I still don't know how the hell to pronounce the offense coordinator's last name, but <laughs> he continues to say good things about him. He seems like he might be a threat in the passing game. And Jakeem Grant, I mean, I posted those GIFs the other day. He seems to be that big play threat that the Dolphins could use. I think he's going to end up getting that third uh, receiver spot. Uh, up and down this roster just has me excited. I mean, I know we did the whole culture change, but overall it looks like it could pay off at least early on, and I'm excited to see what happens throughout training camp. You mentioned the bus factor there with Michael um, Jaziki. I almost said Michael Egnew there because you said it. But you're right. It's what, we're a few weeks in. You're not even in pads yet. You're, you're not really doing anything crazy. It's a brand-new playbook. Tight ends have the most to learn in a playbook on the offensive side of the ball besides the quarterback because they have to learn the blocking positions and the different routes. And for Jaziki, he's probably lining up in the slot, so he has to learn all that as well. It's a lot to take on, and historically, rookies do not really make a huge impact in the first year. Most of them take a full year to really jump into it. There's a few exceptions who really dominate from day one. And then there's the other tier right below that, who start making an impact about halfway through the season. I mean, look at OJ Howard, for example, one of the top prospects in terms of the tight end position to come out of the NFL draft in years. And he didn't have a huge impact in Tampa. Now, are people calling him a bust? I'm sure there are fans calling him a bust, but it just goes to show as talented as that guy is and was coming out of college for him, not even to make a huge impact. And that offense with Mike Evans on the outside there and others helping him out, it just shows how tough the tight end position is. You mentioned Kalen Balaj from Arizona State, the running back. And everyone is saying that he looks exactly the part of a running back. I think he is going to be one of the biggest steals in the NFL draft. He is a complete running back. And Adam Gates loves complete running backs. I think if you have a three-headed monster of Drake, Gore, and Balaj, that is going to be sick. You get... Kenyon Drake, maybe to start the game, you play him a few series, you get Frank Gore, and they're nice and fresh, play a few series, run downhill. Then you bring in Balazs, play a few series, and obviously it's not going to go one, two, three like that in order. But the ability to rotate fresh running backs in and out of there is going to be something to watch. And if Balazs can continue this impressive camp so far into training camp, then he is going to force his way into the lineup and active roster on game day. Quentin Poling is another guy who was on our show, I believe we were the first show to have him on as a rookie for the Miami Dolphins. And he has been getting very good reviews out of camp, saying he's transitioning nicely. He's blending in with with the rest of the team, and he's going to make his niche on special teams and perhaps one day jump into the 
linebacker rotation on the field. Another one having an impressive camps thus far is Stefan Anthony. And there's talk about him right now locking down that third linebacker spot alongside Kiko Alonso and Raekwon McMillan. So that is something to watch. We mentioned the cornerback battle. We mentioned the wide receiver battle for that number three spot. We mentioned the backup position. In terms of everything else, I mean, it's football. It's something to talk about. But at the end of the day, what happens here, the success you may have seen in this camp, the failure you may have seen in this camp, none of that is going to translate to the actual season. We've seen it training camp and OTA and mini camp superstars. Legaday Nanu. I mean, remember, according to some beat reporters, like Omar Kelly, he was the next best receiver in the entire NFL. And then the pads came on at camp and he completely disappeared. We've seen it too many times to fall into the trap again of believing that someone who has had great success in these camps is going to have that same kind of great success. These camps are more so for installing the playbook, installing your plays, figuring out what you're doing on the field. So when training camp comes, you're not starting from square one. You can hit the ground running. Now, this is a dangerous time for all NFL teams. All NFL teams hate this time of the year because they have no control over their players, really. Their players are doing out whatever they want to do, and you see a lot of arrests. You see a lot of stupid decisions made, hopefully, with the roster that Adam Gase has made up, along with Chris Greer. You're not going to see that kind of stuff. I think do think we have a lot of the boneheaded decision makers in terms of players are now off the team. So I think we'll have a relatively quiet offseason here. In terms of who we're looking at going into training camp, which player we're going to want to see the most in terms of how they perform? How, who are you looking forward to the most? For me, it all comes down to our first-round pick, Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, you hear him playing in the nickel. You hear him playing uh, free safety. You hear him playing on the boundary. I mean, he's pretty much lining up evenly throughout the defense in the secondary. And that's a, a player who I think uh, he's going to be special. I think we all agree he's going to be special. We believe that he's a natural fit of free safety. Uh, with signing of Bobby McCain, he might uh, not see many snaps in the nickel, assuming that McCain doesn't win that boundary spot. But ultimately, I mean, if you can get him in sync and have him you know, out there calling the plays, aligning the secondary, and just doing everything that he did in college, I, I think this defense can truly be special. I mean, the secondary, we've talked on in a few shows now. I mean, you got the three-headed monster at safety. You got McDonald. You got Rashad Jones. You're going to be roaming around. And then you get bring Minka Fitzpatrick in there, um, Xavier Howard, Tankersley, Bobby McCain. And then you got that pass rush up front. I mean, I, I don't see how this defense can't be great, assuming that uh, everything works out the way that we hope it does. I mean, if Raekwon McMillan becomes the linebacker, we think he will. Uh, if you got Xavier Howard taking the next step. I mean, you even got Tony Libby. You got these guys in there who uh, are coming back from injury. You got a guy like McMillan in his second season, but he's actually a freshman. And if you can get that team to play together, to mold well in the secondary, uh, it, it's going to be scary. I think this defense can be top 10 without a doubt, and I think it all lies on Mick Fitzpatrick. So I'm excited to see how he handles the reps in, uh, throughout training camp. I know he's been the leader throughout the rookies. I know that I hear some of them talking about how well he's doing as a leader. And I think that by the end of the training camp, he's going to be, you know, one of those leaders on the entire football team. So I'm most excited to see how Mick Fitzpatrick does. I, I think the sky's the limits for him. And I'm excited to see what he does in the Miami uniform. 
for me, just from a selfish perspective and from a team standpoint, the one guy I'm really looking forward to seeing is Raquan McMillan. And for no other reason than linebacker play was not that great for us last year. So can't wait to see really a centerpiece of the linebacker unit that we haven't seen play a down yet. So I can't wait to see what kind of leadership and intangibles that he brings to the huddle, you know, in the locker room, all that kind of stuff. I really do believe that he'll end up being a captain of this defense. I want to see his play diagnosis. How comfortable does he look calling out the plays, making sure people are where they're supposed to be. You know, how's he moving around after the injury last year? Does he show any hesitation or anything? So all those components really make Raquan McMillan a really exciting player for us to, to, to watch going into camp this year. And for me, I think it's Ryan Tannehill. And I know that seems like an obvious and easy answer, but it goes beyond just him coming back from his injury. It goes beyond him forming chemistry with his new receivers and tight ends. It goes beyond how he reacts with the knee and everything else that has happened to him over the past two years. What I want to see with Ryan Tannehill, and not necessarily from Ryan Tannehill himself, well, what he does will be the result, end result of it. But what I want to hear and I want to see, I want to see players rallying around Ryan Tannehill during training camp. I want to see players coming out publicly and talking great things about Ryan Tannehill. I want to hear them saying that Tannehill has stepped up and become a leader. I want to hear them say that this is Ryan Tannehill's team. I want to hear them coming out and saying that they'd rather play with nobody else than Ryan Tannehill. I want to hear the media say that Ryan Tannehill is taking control on the field and taking charge. I want to hear the players say that Ryan Tannehill defense and in the huddle. I want to hear the coaches say that Ryan Tannehill has full control of the offense and can do whatever he wants to do without any limitations. Because for too long, we haven't seen the players come out publicly For too long, we haven't heard that Ryan Tannehill has complete control of the offense. For too long, we haven't heard that he has complete charge on the field and is telling everyone what to do and being a vocal leader. People say sometimes they like to be a leader that leads by example. I'm sorry, that does not work. For me, that does not work, especially if you're the quarterback. If you're the quarterback, you cannot sit back and lead by example and not say anything. You are the heartbeat of the team. If that's going to happen, you might as well switch your position and go back to wide receiver that you played in college. Cam Wake says he's a quiet leader. Nadama Kansu was a quiet leader. Pretty soon you have all quiet leaders on your team. I want to see the vocal Ryan Tannehill. I want to see the charisma. I want to see the trash talking that he does in practice supposedly translate to his interviews, translate to game day, translate everything where you hear it all the time. I want him to be contagious and infectious. And I know you can't change a zebra stripes, but maybe just maybe being off for a year and seeing everything around him from a distance can possibly change who he is and what he is going to do moving forward. I think if we get that Ryan Tannehill, this team can go far and in a much different direction than they were headed in last season. Otherwise, Dolphins will be looking for a new quarterback next year and possibly, well, I don't think a new coach, but Adam Gase will surely be on the hot seat. 
but there's going to be a lot of time between now and training camp, and it's going to be very dead. It's going to be quiet. It's going to be calm. It's going to be a lot of trying to fill the space. So how it's for you, what is your best idea to fill that time between now and the start of training camp? Damn, that's a good one, man. I I didn't really put much thought into this. Uh, I guess just watch lots of film. Watch what the Dolphins did last year. Get excited. Go back to 2016. Watch film on Ryan Tannehill. Uh, definitely do not, uh, you know, go out there and, and get into those Twitter debates, get into those arguments. I mean, we consistently see every week, every day, someone's arguing about Ryan Tannehill. Someone's arguing about this player. Devontae Parker's a bust. Uh, he's a waste of air, this, that. I mean, just don't fall into the trap. I mean, Twitter's a wonderful place. I don't think many of us would be friends. We would have the kind of relationships we do. Uh, I don't think we'd have a podcast if it wasn't for Twitter. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's a lot of rabbit holes you can go down, a lot of different arguments and disagreements you get into. I mean, I made a joke about Bob Greasy and uh, Ryan Tannehill being the number two quarterback in Dolphins history, and that turned into a huge cluster uh, for an entire 24 to 48 hours. So, I mean, Go out there. We're all Dolphin fans. Watch the tape. Get excited. Research. Do the camp battles. Try to decide which 53-man roster the Dolphins may end up with. Do all these little things to get prepped for the season because once the season comes, uh, good or bad, I mean, your entire week's going to be based around this Miami Dolphins team if they win. Uh, those seven days are going to be great. If they lose, it's going to be hell for seven days. So, I mean, uh, enjoy the time off from football now because it's going to be here soon. And your entire – it's going to be an emotional roller coaster like it always is, good or bad, whether we win six games or they win ten. Uh, they're going to be our number one – well, I mean, we have kids, we have wives, we, we have priorities, but that's going to be our number one focus outside of real life, the Miami Dolphins. So just enjoy this time off while you can and be ready because I think the 2018 Miami Dolphins, they're going to surprise some people, especially those analysts and Mike Clay and all those different experts that, who sit there and say that this might be a bottom five team. I don't see it. I think the Dolphins are going to be better than that. So, you know, just get excited, but realize that once football is here, uh, that's going to be taking over your life. For all our listeners, I mean, hit us up and let us know what you'd like to see. Go to thefinsider.com and, and make comments on, on the podcast when it comes out. You can go to hashtag Finsider Radio or reach out to us on our Twitter handles. You know, uh, we'd like to to do quite a few things over the off season if we can, and really open up the mailbags, reach out to our community members. Just because it during the season it can be really difficult uh, to incorporate everything that's going on during the season, all the nuances, all the details that you guys want to hear about, uh, and also. Take lots of questions from the fans that you know you, you guys don't want to hear a two-hour podcast. So during dead seasons, a, a great time for us to connect with you guys. So make sure you reach out to us on Twitter, reach out to us thefinsider.com, like I said. But uh, me personally, I'll, I'll probably just be playing my guitar, taking the kids outside. You know, uh, I live in Cleveland, so we only have so much nice weather season. So. Uh, we're going to definitely, June is one of those times, so definitely going to try to get outside. And, you know, other than listening to Finsider Radio on your phones, try to get off your phone a little bit and just enjoy your family, soak in the summer. Uh, my oldest kid starts kindergarten this uh, this fall, so really just going to try to 
be a laid back dad and just have fun with my kids. And I'm sure you guys will be doing the same, Matthew. I'm sure you'll be outside doing five, six hours of yard work with your kids outside, <laughs> running across the sprinkler or something. Uh, Howitz will probably have have his kid outside. He'll be grilling some filet mignons for him and his wife or something delicious. So, uh, yeah, just enjoy the summer and let us know. Let, let's have some fun this summer. So uh, let us know how, how you'd like to have some fun with us. Oh, that, yeah, that sounded kind of open-ended, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a little weird. But, uh, you know, you're right. Yeah, I think you both covered everything. Just just have some fun because we all know once football season starts, we're hooked in, whether it's fantasy. If you do fantasy, you know, the drafts start sometime in August. If you're smart, you do it after the third week of the preseason. If you're dumb, you do it before the third week of the preseason. Then you complain when your first-round pick gets – injured in that third preseason game and tears their ACL because we have seen it happen. Jordy Nelson, for example, a few years ago. And then football season starts and we're locked into the season and, and we're not looking at the big picture. We're in the weeds day by day, looking at what's happening day by day, holding on to every quote that comes out in every press conference, holding on to every practice report, holding on to every article that is put out by the beat reporters. And then, of course, game day. And you're right, how it's, you know, whether the Dolphins win or lose, that affects my mood, and I'm sure it impacts other people's moods as well. You sit you sit there on a Sunday, you invest your three hours or so into the Dolphins, probably more so if you're on Twitter before the game, interacting with all the other fans, and then they lose, and, and I'm a mess the rest of the day. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to talk to my kids. I don't want to talk to my wife. I just want to be by myself, and I don't really care about watching football the rest of the day. I don't listen to sports radio for the next two, three days until they start talking about the next week, it takes me a few days to get over to loss, and I know we shouldn't act like that because what we do has absolutely no impact on the team, and what the team does shouldn't have an impact on us, but we are diehard fans, and we live and breathe, and just everything with the Miami Dolphins, it impacts us during the NFL season. So enjoy this time off. Enjoy the stress-free time because even with fantasy, there's a lot of stress involved with that. So enjoy it. Have fun. I'll be making sure there's no beers in my backyard while I'm drinking a beer with watching my kids in a swimming pool. And you're right, Sutton, doing that yard work, getting the yard ready again and making the most of it. Maybe next year I won't have as much yard work to do as we head into training camp. Any questions this week on the Finsider Radio Mailbag? Yeah, we got an interesting one from our friends Fin Troopers on Twitter. Okay, so the question is this. What's the biggest monetary winnings, i.e. not paying out of your current pocket, that you would honestly be willing to sacrifice for option A below? And option A is this. The Dolphins win seven of the next ten Super Bowls, and Tannehill eradicates Brady's name from the GOAT conversation forever. So what are you willing to, what are you willing to pay for that? That you can't, you wouldn't have to pay for it with your immediate money, but money that I think you would have to pay over time in the future. I think that's how I read that. Cause if, if it's, you don't have to pay your own money, then it's an infinite amount of money. <laughs> right. Uh, so money. we have to pay. We have to pay to see one of the two. Can no, cut so, something off? No. Like, so you get. <laughs> you'd have to take up take that up with the fin troopers. But I think what they're saying is 
both things. So the Dolphins win seven of the next 10 and Brady is no longer the GOAT. What would you be willing to pay for that? So it is money or it's like – I got to give my own money. Cutting off on, on arm or something. I, I think it's money, but money that you don't have to pay right now, but you would over time. So, like, say it's an investment you're going to make. Oh, man. Anybody? No and one saying has it, and, and if it pay, Yeah, what what'd you say? I was just oh, saying. Oh, I see what he's man. saying. I see, I, see what, I see what he's saying here. So his original poll question was what you said. Dolphins win seven of the next ten Super Bowls and Tannehill eradicates Brady's name from the gold conversation forever. Yeah. Or the Dolphins win zero Super Bowls and the Patriots stay dominant for another decade, which you find a $50,000 lotto ticket. So what he's asking is, for us, what is, does that lotto ticket look like for to put up with the Patriots for another decade? Right. Oh. Yeah. Ugh. Hmm. I mean, $50,000, that's tempting. You know, you pay off your debts. Yeah, we've already been through it. So, I, I mean, that's a couple more years, I still, you know? I, yeah, I still have some student loans to pay, so it doesn't really cover everything there. Um, is the $50,000 going to change my life tremendously? It's going to change it a little bit. It's not going to change it in a crazy way. $100,000, would that change my life? It would get all my debt paid off, my student loans, and then whatever I have on credit cards. Well, and we're talking but about over the credit card debt in the next year or so with my regular salary, and then it's just my student loans. And we're talking over ten years, so hundred thousand dollars—that's ten thousand dollars a year. I, I'm a dad of four, and that's I yeah, could that's do, I, I, I could easily I could easily do that for Tom Brady not being the goat and winning seven Super Bowls. That would make my daily life so much more enjoyable. And I think it would be worth that. So I would go as high as one hundred thousand dollars over a ten year span. You would go a hundred dollars. You would go ten thousand dollars a year. Yeah. To see the Dolphins win that many Super Bowls, is that, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Now you wouldn't be able to predict which years you would do it. You know, oh, but so, so three of those years we'd have to deal with eight and eight, like we've already have. Uh, that would suck. Yeah. For us. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would, uh, uh, I'd probably do it for $500,000. Hi, Rola. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll go in between 250000 I would do 250000 too. Yeah, I uh, guess. I want to, I want to know what you guys would like, you know, like cut off your left hand or. No. Oh, God, no. no. Hell no. Listen, no, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Dolphins fan. I'm not that. I don't know that I. <laughs> are, are we talking about what we'd cut off now? Are we back to that? Is that our vasectomy? Would we get a vasectomy? Yeah, I need to get one anyways. So I yeah. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> right, I should be I should be first gone, in line. This conversation has gone completely <laughs> off the rails. So let's bring it back to this question, and that is a very good question. It makes you think a little bit. Um, I said five hundred thousand, but I'm going to go with house and say two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, if I had less kids, I'd probably meet you guys at a higher range, but I'm going to stick with 100 at this point. All right. Any other questions there, Houts, or certain? No, I think that was it. It's a light week. Good you know. question. Yep. Yeah, thanks, Finn Troopers. Yeah, so here's how we're going to go from here, guys, everyone listening. Uh, we will be taking a week off in the next few weeks uh, just because we've been going at it since, gosh, I think before the right – 
during the season and moving on past the NFL season leading up to the draft and everything else. I think we may have taken off one week or two weeks since that time. We'll be taking a week off the week of July 9th. We will remind everyone, but either next week or the week after, we will be taking a week off, just giving ourselves some downtime. Again, it's a dead time here. Uh, there's not a whole lot to talk about, and we're just going to keep grinding and keep moving forward once we do get back on the air full-time in a consistent rhythm and jump right back into the swing of things and go straight ahead, nonstop, full speed ahead throughout the entire NFL season. Any last thoughts, Houts and certain? Nope. Go Dolphins. Enjoy this uh, this month because, like we said, once the season starts, uh, full speed ahead. Nah, cheers, y'all. Have a good weekend. Drink lots of beer. Yes, happy Father's Day to everyone out there. Happy Father's Day. Certain happy Father's Day, Houts, yes. and happy Father's Day to myself. And happy, happy Father's, Father's Day. Day to Antonio Cromartie. <laughs> yes, that is true as well. All right, for certain, the creepy soccer dad and Houts MD, I am MC Money. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We will talk to you next time. Miami has a dolphin, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, 
maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.